a local Virginia girl raised Christian in a hardcore household, evolved and grew into a beautiful agnostic. Now she interviews people and talks about Bible stories. This is Brittany's Bibble Stories. <laughs> Something like that. Lift me Welcome to Bible Stories with Brittany. I'm your host, Brittany. I was raised as a conservative Christian, went to a private Christian school for four years with my special guest this week, Robin. We both shared a wonderful trauma. It's very good. We were both homeschooled for eight years before going to this. Well, no, you were homeschooled for... I, I started going to... Um the private school that we went to in middle school. So oh, you got I, out. I, I, I got out of the homeschooling <laughs> part and straight into the next level yeah. of hell. Out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah. Special guest this week is Robin, my dear friend. Um, they are a Richmond-based librarian. I guess, yeah. I, I always say partial librarian since I don't have an MLS, but I do all of the things that librarians do as part of my job without mm-hmm. getting paid for it. Yeah. Um, I'm queer non-binary creative so how would you describe your religious upbringing i always went to non-denominational or bible churches my background before going to the private school which was a little more connected to evangelical anglican stuff um was a little more loose my parents divorced when i was four but they were both religious so I got on both sides, and my mom kind of, after the divorce, most of her socialization was through the church. So we were, we were at church, like, a lot. (laughs) Just, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, like, single parent groups, uh, Awanas. Mm -hmm. My mom did... clowning and puppeting things with the that. church i, I know. love your mother and i hate that that was the first uh, time i met her she was in a clown makeup oh i didn't realize that was me. the first time that was the first time i didn't even yeah. know she was your mother and yeah. it freaked me out yeah it's scary <laughs> it still scares me like i am actually scared of clowns um i definitely have trauma around having to be forced to dress up as a clown oh, God. you know and people look at you which was not a thing i liked no. uh but yeah so yeah so we were there for that kind of stuff course like homeschooling stuff was also very connected with different churches and mm-hmm. um christian co-op groups so yeah that's that's kind of my background before before going to the private school yeah what would mm-hmm. you say your current religious beliefs are um i don't have any name for anything i um, practice a lot of like witchy kind of spiritualism but i feel like my stuff is very grounded like it's not really religion to me it's like an, an introspective practice hmm. basically well so. you brought your tarot cards oh i brought yeah well i brought tarot cards that i definitely understand their <laughs> meanings so we're gonna we're definitely pull not, a gonna, card not gonna google for, things or just make up whole new meanings <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna shuffle but you're gonna you're gonna pull okay. a card all right, so cut the deck. All right. So we got Father of Wands. Oh. And we are using the, the Wild Unknown Tarot. So oh. this one has, uh, looks like a king cobra. Yeah. It does look like a stick for yeah. the wand. Look enlightening in the background, maybe? Yeah. Exuberant, assertive, 
feel like we're going to be very on top of what we talk about today because mm-hmm. with that you know it's the top of the suit yeah so we should be masters of what we're talking yeah. about he and yeah talking about our own trauma we should be masters of that yeah. <laughs> that's what it says he's someone not to mess around with he knows his domain he has complete confidence in his role as master of this territory he's the boss here he asserts his belief i like that I like the uh, flair for the dramatic to assert your belief in an exuberant way. You get a master plan. My master plan is. (laughs) So this week we're going to talk about Christian education, Christianity throughout history in terms of education, and then also libraries as it ties into education, science, and some of what Robin does in their profession. Wow. Wow. Libraries. So much fun. So I'm just going to start with some history of education in the church. The church has played like a really valuable role in terms of education for a long time just because Western society just fucked up real bad during the Middle Ages. Just real bad. So at that point in time, like all of this classical education, classical knowledge, it was just right down the shitter with all of sanitation and hygiene at the same time. So you had like a bunch of Irish like monks that were keeping track of a lot of knowledge and technology they created the book of kells which is like a beautiful illuminated uh manuscript which tied together a lot of their own culture in with uh christianity it was also happening in other parts of europe where a lot of these monasteries were collecting books they would chain the books to the monasteries because when people would come to raid and loot they would take these very valuable books and sell them for a lot of money because they were so hard to make where you're handwriting the whole thing it could take years to copy a manuscript and a lot of these places were also a fount of science where they would keep a lot of classical knowledge in terms of like aqueducts and uh wind power water power for like milling and other things like that so while this is happening um in the middle ages they're just getting totally fucked for whitey over in the islamic world they're having a fucking golden age they're having a grand old time they got all of their shit together they have a writing system they're getting a lot of paperwork done in iran because they got it from china so they're writing all sorts of really interesting things in terms of philosophy astronomy science mathematics all sorts of things that are coming together in the islamic world during this time period and as the mongols invade Um, the Islamic world, a lot of that sort of knowledge and learning starts to fall apart. Um, Even before then, you had, like, the destruction of the Library of Alexandria um, that took away a lot of knowledge that was happening at that time. But the main thing that destroyed a lot of that Islamic knowledge was Mongol invasion. So a lot of their manuscripts got taken over by uh, monks into the monasteries in Europe where they were kept away from a lot of Mongol invasions just because they were a bit too far. There's also this really cool library in... West Africa that survived until now and it's still a huge fount of knowledge um, in terms of a lot of North African manuscripts and history and it's still used as a scholarly resource to this day. Um, So one of the first things that the Catholic Church did is they funded a lot of scientific research through the monasteries but they also had a really weird relationship with heresy. (laughs) Gotta have a lot of heresy. (laughs) So the first big no-no was with Galileo. So Galileo is like, oh, yeah, this this boy, Copernicus, he knows what's what. Definitely, you know, Earth goes around the sun. Sun doesn't go around the Earth. At this time, even, like, a bump, bunch of, like, dumb fucks in the Middle Ages knew that the Earth wasn't flat. Everyone knew it was fucking round. So anyone even now who says that the Earth is flat is just willfully stupid. Anyway, so then there was, like, the whole argument. And so the church, they didn't like this idea. They didn't like that the, the sun didn't go around the earth because the earth is God's creation. It's the most important thing. 
So when Galileo was like, nope, that's not true, they were like, heresy! So they <laughs> brought him in to yell at him, and he was like, no, I'm not going to take back. This is just a scientific fact at this point. He had all this stuff, but he was told just to, to shut the fuck up. He didn't shut the fuck up. He wrote a book which was like a very uh, veiled fake dialogue between a simpleton and a smart person. The simpleton was like echoing all of the arguments of the church and the smarty was saying all of like his and Commodicus's. <laughs> very subtle. Very subtle. <laughs> so the church obviously didn't like that. So they summoned him back to Rome and the Pope just raked him over the coals and basically put him in prison for the rest of his life. So eight years so it wasn't until 1822 that the Catholic Church admitted the Earth goes around the sun. So it took them 300 years to admit that the Earth goes around the sun. And it wasn't until 1992 that the Pope admitted some regret over the Galileo oh affair. God. Just regret. They didn't do anything wrong, but they regret what happens. It could have gone a different way, but we would have made the same decision. Yeah. The but it could have gone a different right. way, and we feel bad that it didn't. Yeah, it, we feel <laughs> bad that Galileo didn't bend to what we wanted. <laughs> he should have done that. But in uh, 2008, they put a big statue of him in the Vatican, and they claim him as their own for astronomy. Because that's the whole thing, is that they had this whole branch of Jesuits who were really into education and learning, and they actually made a lot of astronomical uh, discoveries. So they would travel around and try and spread Christianity as missions. So they went to China, they went to Ethiopia, they went to South America, they went all over to try and spread this. Oh, and they also went to Canada and had a lot of knowledge that they were trying to spread. So some of the things they did were actually pretty good. Like they would try and write down native languages, try and track native cultures, try and like keep a history of these people's beliefs and, and their spoken words so that they'd be able to have it in writing. But they also did try and convince all these people to become Christians. And they, depending on the Jesuit priests, they had a contentious relationship with uh, Spanish authority, at least in South America, where the Spaniards um, were mostly there to take the wealth of the native peoples and bring it back to Europe. What a lot of the North Americans did, where you had a lot of Puritans coming over who were there to colonize. So a lot of the North Americans didn't really care about converting the native peoples to their correct way of thinking Christianity as opposed to a lot of the Jesuits who were coming down and they were like, okay, we don't want to enslave these peoples. We want to convert them so that they will be on the correct side. So it's a weird mixed bag of anti-slavery, which is great, <laughs> and cultural erasure and religious erasure, which is not as great. But at the same time, they were making a lot of innovations in terms of science, especially when it came to astronomy. They had observation towers that they were building all around the world, which was really helpful and informational in terms of map making and geology and seismic activity and a lot of other things that really helped human understanding. That's what the Catholic Church was doing. The Catholic Church has some other mixed things in terms of science and education, where they were a big patron of the arts in uh, the Renaissance in terms of having a lot of like artistic funding that was also scientific. Like if you look at um, a lot of knowledge in terms of human anatomy that came from art in a big way. They also had a huge influence in terms of musical notation. That was a huge innovation in terms of being able to write down music and keep track of it to be played later. They funded a lot of new music that was happening at that time. Um, they also funded a bunch of other types of education for uh, just general people as part of the church. 
However, once the Protestant Reformation came, that all changed where the Protestants really believed that everyone should be able to read, everyone should be able to have access to the Bible and be able to read for themselves. So that's where a lot of this knowledge that was kept in monasteries started to be separated into private collections, into universities as the university system started taking over. And a lot of these Protestants had like a huge influence on the, you know, North America. A lot of them came over and started Protestant schools. Like if you look at Yale, Princeton, a lot of those other um, Northeast schools, they were all started as Protestant schools. But I want to have a shout out to Georgetown, where my dad teaches, which is the <laughs> oldest Catholic university in America. When you look at a lot of modern science when it comes to the church, they have some contentious issues when it comes to evolution. A lot of Protestants believe in a literal definition of the Bible, which we've already talked about Genesis on a previous episode, and that is a wild idea that that is literal. <laughs> and you also have this Catholic interpretation that science and God are always in tandem, so they don't necessarily say that evolution didn't happen, but they are against stem cell research because they think that embryos are people, which is insane to me because you have all these like in vitro fertilizations where they would just throw out these like leftover embryos because they're not people and they use that for stem cell research. But the Catholic church is like, no, 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 no. those are all babies. We can't do that. You can't use them. It's an abomination. It's like, okay. Oh, so the last thing I want to bring up is that um, during the Middle Ages, the Vatican had the biggest book collection of the entire world at the time. But do you know who had the second biggest book collection of all time? I do not. My boy, <laughs> Matthias Corvinus. Your boy. My your boy. Your actual child. My boy, Matthias Corvinus, the Crow King of Hungary. He is amazing. This dude fucks. He sees the barons. He's like, now fuck you. He taxes the shit out of them. He gets a standing army. He doesn't give a fuck. He does whatever he wants. He patronizes the arts and he creates a royal library called the Bibliotheca Corvinia, which is the biggest library that they had at the time in that area. And the fact that it was a royal library as opposed to a religious library meant that it had more freedom in terms of what books to include. But then the Ottoman Empire fucked it all up. And all the books got raided, and then the Vatican became the biggest library, or continued to be the biggest library, mm -hmm. even though he spent 30 years increasing his book collection. At the same time, you had uh, not very many like Jewish libraries that were allowed to exist. You had private collections and semi-private collections, but because Jewish people have been oppressed for centuries and just kicked out of all sorts of different places, it's kind of hard to have a library when you can't stay in one place for generations and pass it down. One of the things you only touched on in this, but that you said earlier, was about the Protestants coming over here and mm -hmm. being, like, the root of the capitalist ideal mm -hmm. of, you know, working hard and you're connecting it to Christianity with, like, you know, idle hands is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But also of just, like, that, that aspect of colonialism and controlling and this very individualistic patriarchal system that we now live in now that is very much the sort of experience we had at school mm -hmm. um yeah all, all basically all of the problems <laughs> that yeah. we have you know capitalism yeah and um oppression and the patriarchy mm -hmm. so all interconnected yeah. wonderful yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah like if you look at rhode island that was created because a woman had some ideas about the bible so even though they were teaching boys and girls how to read the bible at that time when women had their own thoughts and opinions they still got booted out of uh the massachusetts bay colony mm -hmm. so she started her own zone of rhode island and she actually had a more um comprehensive 
settlement compared to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, where she actually had some indigenous people who were part of it. She had more equality for women, but they also got kind of screwed over because Rhode Island isn't exactly a great place for growing crops, (laughs) especially (laughs) if you aren't using, you know, indigenous knowledge, which might be a little helpful, seeing as they've been there for centuries and centuries yeah. and know what they're so doing it's there it's their yeah. land so yeah. i mean they're the ones who like cultivated it and made it into a place where humans can thrive but uh yeah yeah the other thing that's interesting when you when you come to the idea of um capitalism and education is all of these private institutes mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. to get educated and it's also only for people who have certain religious beliefs so it's like kept away from people who are of a minority belief system. So if you look at, um, you know, like a lot of the residential schools in Canada, it's like, yes, you can get education, but only if you believe what all these Catholic priests are requiring you to learn and to repeat and to say or get murdered if you don't acquiesce. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's again, it's like a crew controlling and not just physically, but mentally. And I mean, that that's what we found with our school too, because... I mean, again, it's like you get you talk to a lot of parents who send their kids to private schools and sometimes you get it where it's like, OK, um, a private school might be more competitive educationally. So that might be a reason why. But usually it is about the child not being exposed to things that the mm-hmm. parents do not want them to be exposed to. Like, for example, like my my sister did go, my older sister did go to a private middle school, Mm. but um, she was mainly living with my dad in high school and she went to a public school. I was not given that choice um, and it was very apparent of just like, no, no, that was your father's choice. Um, And my mom being like, I don't agree with that and you're going to go to this private school. Yeah, and it's one way of being like, okay, you're not... You're only going to be exposed to ideas that we're okay with, Mm -hmm. you know, or like that mirror what we have at home, even though, you know, again, it's as I said, like my Christian background was a different kind of teaching, which I didn't really realize until I was at our school longer um, Mm -hmm. because they have a much more traditional Anglican. Anglican, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the word, you know, and and it. not not giving a lot of space. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. They they say that they they let anyone of of any background like into not the those school. dirty Catholics. Well, I'm saying when I was there in middle school, we had one Catholic. Yep. Um, and there's a reason that she did not come back mm-hmm. in high school because it was not a pleasant experience for her. Yep. I don't know if you've talked about this on any of the other ones. You know, we had our senior. We had to do a senior three oh, thesis. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna bring that up. Uh-huh, um. Uh-huh. Part of graduating, which you could not graduate, mm-hmm. um, from our school unless you did, uh, senior thesis, which was a 15 page paper. 20 page. Oh my gosh, uh-huh. I made it smaller in my mind. Yep. <laughs> a 20 page paper. That is supposed to be you defending your faith before mm-hmm. you go out into the world. So the whole concept is like you are supposed to be writing this intense paper about what you believe so you can then defend it. And you would also have to write a speech and then give the speech in front of a panel and then answer all the questions and like defend your faith. Our class got called in to a meeting with some of the faculty and they were basically like, y'all aren't doing this right (laughs) (laughs) i wonder why yeah because you are writing what you believe basically and that's not right and and the actual (laughs) like quote from our teacher was 
yes, you are supposed to write what you believe, but it has to be right. Yeah. And that that was like our whole that that's the whole lesson I got out of of this whole thing is like it's not it's not really about your relationship with Christ like they say it is. It's mm-hmm. like no, you have to be able to regurgitate these concepts that people have told you is the correct way to interpret the bible and even though there's so many denominations like Mm -hmm. that's the history of the church is you know from catholicism to protestants and then the continual Mm -hmm. fracturing of it like there's there's a reason that there are so many denominations but no there's only one right way yeah to believe the school says yes yes (laughs) yeah but that was also the year we had like what four different bible teachers something Mm -hmm. like that so it's like how are you even supposed to know what you were supposed to do in that because this was another thing this was a graded class this went on our college transcripts yeah or was sent to our colleges which always blew my mind which was like and that was the other thing that was interesting about having a uh uh christian education is math class Mm -hmm. to have Bible questions. Yes, yes. I almost got a 100 on a final exam for math, but I did not because I missed a Bible question. Yeah, yeah. It was the requirement for the faculty to include in their syllabi... uh, Biblical integration. That was the phrase. Yes, that was the phrase. And, you know, it was just so funny, you know, having the teachers kind of force mm-hmm. these concepts into your class you know and then you had science where of course mm. they're just gonna give you like we i think because you have to talk about evolution no um we did not talk about evolution oh we did talk about evolution when did we talk about evolution biology oh no but that was dispelling evolution yes exactly <laughs> but i think i think you had to talk about evolution but it but the school was like but we're gonna do it by telling you how why it's not true yeah so we spent one class one class talking about evolution Mm -hmm. which is scientifically (laughs) supported yeah uh but we're not gonna tell you why it's supported we're gonna Mm -hmm. give all this pseudoscience Mm -hmm. reasons why the church is like no evolution isn't real yeah and that's and then we and we were tested on that too. Yeah, so. and you had to be able to, reg- which really blew my mind because like my mom is very Christian, mm-hmm. but she believes in evolution. So that was even one of those things where it's like she was teaching at that church or that school, and mm-hmm. we're being tested on this. But I didn't actually know anything about evolution, and I just like assumed that that was my mother's opinion just because that's what the, the school was teaching. And then I yeah. actually like asked her about it, and she was like, "No, we definitely evolved. We're still like." special creatures made in God's image, but God can work through evolution. Mm-hmm. And that's like her rationalization of those two things. I'm like, all right, I can respect that as like an opinion. But did yeah. you go to any of like the special, like extra after school things that they would do sometimes? Okay. No. There was one that, that these exist. I, I probably just like was like, I'm going home. Now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, well, my mother being a teacher there uh-huh. meant that I went to these special after school things sometimes and they were mm-hmm. all god awful. So one of them was about um, the literal Genesis. So it was saying that oh, the Bible literally happened. Yeah. And there's like this dude who came to like disprove dinosaurs. What? Yeah. Proof had, means nothing. <laughs> he had like a whole thing that I can't remember anymore, but I just remember being like, what the fuck is he talking about? And yeah. it was like had like a whole thing about dinosaurs and how they're actually a lot younger than what all the science has. And he was like going through all like the rock layers and all this oh, other shit. Yeah, yeah. And then he was talking about how like 
all these literal things for like the literal Genesis story as opposed to like a metaphorical Genesis story. And I was just like, am I going to be tested on this? Is this a thing? Because it was like extra credit for a class like for biology or something like that. I don't know. It blew my mind. The other thing that got me was like the total lack of sex ed. We had a little bit in middle school, but like they separate the boys and girls Mm -hmm. and I just, was I paying attention? I don't know. (laughs) Um, I don't feel like they, I feel like it was kind of like more about like bodily changes than actually. Mm. And then, you know, and then just being like abstinence. Yeah. Sex bad. Don't have sex. Kissing Ever. also bad. Don't touch. Leave room for Jesus. Oh God. I'll, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah, that, that was the other stuff. thing. It was like uh, the who are those two people who got suspended for kissing? Yeah. In study hall. Not allowed. Not allowed. Not allowed. Not allowed. Uh, people. Uh, I think in middle school we had some people get suspended for hugging. Oh yeah. Um, you can have same sex hugging, but mm-hmm. not opposite mm-hmm. sex hugging. I remember that, and I remember being like, "So we're just all gay. That's yeah. the solution." Yeah. I think like, how could okay. the church be pro abstinence and anti gay? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't <laughs> add up. I have a solution for uh-huh. what you're telling us, right. and it's being gay. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want us to have straight sex. If you want us to be abstinent, you're going to have to give us, especially if you don't believe in birth control. Yeah. It's like, come yeah. on. No, yeah. but I remember you weren't in this class, but I was a senior and I took anatomy and physiology. Oh, yeah. There is like, you know, the section in the textbook about reproductive organs. Oh, no. <sighs> was that really fun? No, we didn't teach it. Straight oh, really? up. She told us, I'm not teaching this. You can read it <laughs> on your own. So then she was like, if you have any questions after reading this, you could come talk to me. Trey Parker. Yeah, I remember this kid. Calling out (laughs) Trey Parker. By name. Sweet kid. He went up. He read it. And he went up to ask her some questions. And she just told him to ask his mother. Oh, my God. Every single time. Like, Or remember when we had Mr. Pridmore for Bible class? And one of our shitbag class mates was like, what does circumcision mean? Ask your mother. Yeah. Like, why yeah. do you have to ask your mother all this stuff? Isn't that the whole point of having a teacher? Anyway. No. <laughs> that was a whole separate rant. The point is, there is no point. <laughs> Life is that's but a great. mystery. No, I remember what the point is. With the whole senior thesis thing, that's what like really like solidified the fact, at least at the time, that I was not a Christian. At the time, I thought I was a deist. Because at the time, I definitely thought that there was a god or a higher power or something mm-hmm. else that was influencing the universe i just didn't think it was a christian god and when i had that internal self-knowledge was when i had to write this and that made it so much easier to write it from the perspective of someone else as opposed to my Uh, own beliefs yeah where it was like well this is what this person would say or i just asked my mom what do you think and then i'd write (laughs) that down (laughs) but i distinctly remember in my brother's class there was a you know, because there was like three black people in the school. I mm-hmm. think maybe five at that point. And he was one of the three black people and he was gay. And he had realized that in his senior year and he was very closeted mm-hmm. and he had to write this whole thing. And part of it was like condemning homosexuality. And he plagiarized a lot of his senior thesis, which is, you know, a, a no-no in any yeah. school. You can't plagiarize. But he got caught for plagiarizing and then they expelled him. Yeah. Three months before graduating. And that really makes me mad because we had people in our grade who every single year, like clockwork, would get caught for plagiarism yeah. and they would get suspended every mm-hmm. single year, like clockwork. But they had zero tolerance for this kid because they knew he was gay. Yeah. No, I remember. And I remember, like, talking to people about it and it being like, 
like people that were friends with him and being mm-hmm. like, no, it was because he was gay. Yeah. Like that's that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like the straight kids whose parents donated money to the school, they could get caught for plagiarism every year and mm-hmm. then they would just, you know, have a few days off school. They could go hunting or whatever it is and be fine. <laughs> whatever it is they do. <laughs> I don't know what they do. But that was like remember uh Clayton Cooper. I one. love the call outs happening here. Fucking Clay Cooper come at me. Clayton Cooper would have like several days off every year where he would like go hunting. And I was like, Oh yes. Is this fair? You just get to leave. I have to be here. Because your mom was a teacher. Yeah. The one time I tried to skip school, got caught. My mom turned me in. I had detention. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I love you. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> yeah, well, I also pretty much had the same thing when I skipped yeah. school. I just wanted to read a book. That was literally, I was <laughs> physically in school. I was physically in school. I was just sitting in the bathroom reading a oh. book for like four hours because it was a, a new book that had just come out. And I was like, I really just want to read this. Today is bullshit. It was like a half day where it was like drama and it might have just been a study hall. I don't know. I was like, I don't want to do this today. I don't feel like it. I just want to graduate and get the fuck out of this school. Anyway, <laughs> now that we've processed school trauma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about libraries. Okay. What do you have to add about libraries from where I left off, which was about early 1900s when a lot of libraries were starting to become public after they had been like private institutions or part of university systems and they were just starting to become open to the public. Okay. Yeah. Well, Libraries, kind of like as we know it now, really um, started with the asshole Melville. I always am like Melville, Melvin, Melville Dewey, um, who is the creator of the Dewey Decimal System. He also created Library Science School. Like first time doing that, um, he's a really horrible person, uh, sexist, anti-Semite, racist, mm. sexual harasser, just a, a very bad person. Um, but we still use not everyone but to some degree his system still use mm-hmm. and there's definitely still like a legacy um left from him like um i was talking to a bunch of people and kind of being like okay like what stereotypes do you have when it comes to librarians like what do you picture as a librarian and you really get the two the two opposites of you have like the sexy librarian and then you have the like old crone basically Mm -hmm. and this all really goes back to Melville Dewey because he actually required people he pretty much only accepted women Hmm. um, and he required that people submit pictures with their thing yeah so they were probably also only attractive people Hmm. Um, he also had an idea of you know like what their life should be kind of you know like you know again it's gonna be white Mm -hmm. um white attractive Mm. um unmarried women Mm. um and again he was a sexual harasser so the other side very much comes from women and i i wish i could remember her name off the top of my head uh but there's like one specific woman that was very outspoken against him and like part of like the women's movement and stuff too and that's where a lot of that like you know where caricatures started coming out of more tight bun Mm. you know Mm -hmm. kind of so so it's like you're getting both side of the sexist view kind of like from him and again he was also very christian Mm. he was very much of the um idea that 
libraries are supposed to like uplift people mentally and spiritually mm. so it's a he you know when you know so you wouldn't have anything in the library um you had a lot of christian stuff and again you're probably he's racist um anti-semite you know you're not gonna have other views put in there so the, the so there's a lot of stuff that comes from that and so although it's like the public library now like kind of the idea that you have is like okay this is a place of knowledge for everyone and um supposed to be against censorship and like all these things but you're we still have this legacy and although we a lot of times are thought to be more radical it's like we're still part of the system you know public libraries are like i work for the city like i am i'm so i'm subject to laws and shit that the city puts in place i can't do whatever i want and you're also subject to like the library foundation and uh, library board and you know people can submit complaints and stuff um the library the public library is supposed to be for everyone but it's really something just by its nature of being archival and coming from this history of actually being like very conformist so it's kind of something like librarians have to kind of actively fight against um so it really depends like you know who your director is like who um the head librarians are and like who you're working with to kind of be like what atmosphere and climate and also accessible materials um do you have Anna? so so yeah so i think it's all you know it all comes back to patriarchal mm-hmm. christian bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing that i think is interesting is like if you look at even like the biggest libraries in history it was mm-hmm. like at most a thousand books you yeah. know and that would have yeah. been considered huge as opposed to now where it's like most libraries have you know like eight thousand books mm-hmm. on their catalog and then they can bring in a bunch more from all over the place but it's like there's always been like a certain degree of censorship where it's like yeah. you have the catholic church that has a list of heretical books uh-huh, that you uh-huh. can't have in circulation. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people ignored them. A lot of monasteries ignored them, especially when you look at how rare books were. So they mm-hmm. would still keep a lot of these heretical books like Plato and Aristotle. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. heretical. <laughs> but they wouldn't necessarily put them in circulation. They wouldn't necessarily have people studying them. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, these private collections in the New World, if that's what you want to call mm-hmm. it. North America would be more correct. Where it's whatever they think is important, whatever they think should be lent out to the other people, which is necessarily going to be biased by either, you know, a Catholic perspective, a Protestant perspective, yeah. a European perspective, yeah. all of these I things. I think it's a lot of, like, again, this patriarchal idea of, like, knowing what's best for people. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, again, was, like, very much a Melville Dewey thing of, like, picking what stuff was in the library is, like, him knowing what's best for the people coming here. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily what people are looking for or what they need, but what he thinks will make them a better person. Right. And I think you still see that sometimes in collections. And also, again, that archival stuff, like, there's... And you have to look at, like, the more... Where this stuff, like, ripples out, because obviously publishing itself like traditional Mm. publishing is racist Mm. and you know misogynistic a lot of times and so you're fighting against like having a balanced collection while also like dealing with that and you're also dealing with um like changing things like i don't know if you saw the fairly recent stuff about you know it coming out all the racist characters by dr seuss Mm -hmm. and old books so there's this huge 
debate within all like the library spheres of being like okay do we take these out of the collection do we just put them in special collections like how do we treat um things like that and and it is something like of deciding like what actually is censorship Mm. or like what are are you giving voice to because i think like another thing like we had the big discussion around um changes in the library surrounding like the black lives matter stuff and Mm. like one of the things is being like being critical about like what children's books you have that feature like police officers and stuff because it's very common to have this very sunny simple like oh he comes to help you like find your cat or some shit Mm. and it's like a white police officer and like a black little boy and stuff and I work in majority black community so the books need to be for that community um like our collection needs to be tailored for them and so you really have to be sensitive to these kinds of things and where someone might argue taking some a book like that out of the system is censorship it wouldn't be unless you you know it's like if we could balance it with like other books that talk more complexly about it then maybe we would keep it but since there aren't a lot of well-published books that show a more complex view about racial relationships with uh, people in authority and the police written for children Mm -hmm. like you can't really have that balance um so it's like stuff like that um you know there's also like a lot of um really horribly racist uh books about uh indigenous native americans in children's books Yeah, ten ten. But, but you oof. know, there's a lot of like Pocahontas propaganda. Mm. I know I was going through um, our young adult nonfiction nonfiction section, and a lot of the like geography books are actually military propaganda books. Yeah, what? because like you're looking at the stuff like all the Middle East stuff, oh. and it's and and then you're like looking at it and you're being like, oh, so this is how they're talking about the war. Like they're only giving this one side, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of stuff where it's hard because there might not be other stuff published you can really replace those books with. So it, it's, you know, a constant a constant thing of trying to, like, be like, okay, well, like, what, if we take this out of the collection, how do we replace it? Or mm. how do we, if we keep this, add other things to the collection to show other views um, or, you know, give a full picture mm-hmm. of something? Um, which, you know, is, you know, if we're, we're going back and we're talking about a lot of times with Christianity and stuff um, and the military industrial complex and, y- you know, U.S. nationalism and stuff. It's, it's not there isn't room for complexity. It's like there is only one OK view and it's, you know, propaganda. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, I think that ties into the whole thing that we were talking about before when it comes to Christian education and, you know, specifically the children's section of the library and the youth section of the library, which I think are very contentious where it's like, mm-hmm. are we going to teach evolution? Are we going to teach sex ed? How are we going to teach that? What yeah. lens are we going to teach it through? Or queer education, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to like trans youth, queer youth, all sorts of marginalized people when it comes to controlling the narrative. And I think that's why a lot of parents who choose to homeschool or send their kids to private schools do so out of a desire to control what their information diet is. Yeah. And I think that's the same reason why we have curated libraries and sections specifically for children as opposed to just 
the whole library but yeah. it's like this is curated for you yeah. this is what ideas we want you to be introduced to to have part of your intellectual diet i definitely remember when i was younger and we would go to the library and pick up books when i started getting a bit older and more precocious and wandering into other sections of the library i would pick out books and my mom would be like no you can't read that <laughs> you're not allowed to borrow that book why not he's a bad writer well why don't i get to decide he's a bad writer and yeah. i think that's one of those issues where it's like what people view as idea propagation through curation of like mm -hmm. what knowledge is accepted into a child's yeah sphere. it's interesting because yeah, I mean, that's one reason, like, we don't use, like, LGBTQ stickers on mm, books. Because mm -hmm. part of it is, like, yeah, that's a way to have self-censorship mm -hmm. um, or, you know, like, parent censorship. And it is interesting because, yes, we have these different sections because you don't want someone innocently stumbling on something they don't want to stumble on. Mm -hmm. But we do, like, children's library cards can check out any books. And if they bring something up to the counter we check it out to them like it doesn't matter what it is well my mother like, lied to me <laughs> oh, well it, it could have been i i'm trying to remember you know we we had the same um library system and i don't remember what you, know, you could check out whatever because i checked out whatever because my my parents couldn't keep up with my reading mm -hmm. so i very quickly was checking out anything i wanted which is again like one of those like very different things with um having a mixed family of you know, my, my mom remarried um, the son of a Baptist preacher. Mm. So this kind of, like, looser Christian background that I had is, like, very different than the one that my half-sister grew up in. Mm. And they definitely, like, very controlled, like, her reading stuff, mm. which she's only now, like, as a 19-year-old going on 20, like, getting back into reading because she has ownership of, mm. like, what she can read, whereas, like, it was pretty much stamped out of her, like, any enjoyment of reading, anything she liked um, or might like, they were like, no, 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 you, you, you can't read this. It's not godly. And it's not <laughs> even, like, there's necessarily bad things in it, but it's mm -hmm. not, like, godly. Yeah. And I, I'm doing quotes. You can't see it. I'm doing quotes <laughs> because I don't always know what that means. Yeah, I, I had something else to say, but now I forgot. Was so. it how much you love VeggieTales? Because I still love VeggieTales. I'm going to say I still love VeggieTales. There's some propaganda that I'm like, this is good, pro <laughs> this so is good, good. propaganda. It's so good. It's tasty propaganda. Give it, it to me. Is. Yum, yum, yum. It is. Like, that's the thing. It's like, that's like one of my complaints about a lot of Christian media. Is this just boring? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. uh, there's that whole resurgence of a lot of Christian media in terms of like God's not dead and a lot of other uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. ideology that isn't made from a cinematic perspective because mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting if you look at um, there's a resurgence in people retelling Bible stories like mm -hmm. you have um, like that big budget movie Exodus and all these big budget movies about like Noah or whatever yeah and it's like made by people who aren't necessarily Christians so you have an interesting mix where they're appealing to a Christian audience but they aren't necessarily Christians making it mm -hmm. But then you have smaller studios that are made by pastors for Christians mm -hmm. for propaganda reasons. And it's very interesting to see the differences between what they emphasize in terms of, like, the drama yeah. versus what the drama is that these Christian pastors who are not filmmakers think of it the drama. Where a lot of times they create, you know, straw men that need to be taken yeah. down by the yeah. good Christians. And they're talking about all these other things where it's like... I, I personally enjoy the dramatization of Bible stories, mm -hmm. even if 
they are from a narrow perspective, I still think it could be really interesting. Like, you know, I love the Prince of Egypt. I'll <laughs> sing it from the highest mountains. Anything with Charlton Heston, give me those Ten Commandments. Love me some Charlton Heston. Take off your shirt, please. Like, that's just some teenage Britney doesn't know what to do with her sexuality quite yet. <laughs> But other ones were just, like, the more recent resurgence is just, like, oh, Lord, not artistic. And, like, I like, I like, that was the thing with the VeggieTales is at least it's artistic in terms of, like, mixing in the humor with the Christianity and the values and is still, like, mm-hmm. very approachable. Still, it's pushing values, mm-hmm. Christian values, but it's also very much about entertainment. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And I it's made for someone so, you can so. tell, like, enjoys animation and mm-hmm. it's, like, not someone who hates everyone and just yeah. wants to have like a film version of their like speeches or whatever i love that this is just a veggie tales commercial now everyone should watch veggie tales <laughs> i refuse to watch it now that i'm an adult though i'm very afraid that i'll hate it i have listened to silly songs with larry mm. some like a, a one or two of them someone played them for me recently they're still good you they're know I, good. I, I i still quite like them but yeah i'm 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 okay i don't i don't actually need to relive the veggie tales mm-hmm. life Mm-hmm. But as a kid, Loved ate it. that ate that shit up. Oh, very good, very mm-hmm. good. The songs are good. That's what. That's how you get it. It's like more good songs, please. Yeah, Need stuff to get stuck in your head. Musical. The bottom line is that, and you might have talked about this before, but it's attached to, you know, faith, Christian, um, faith, education, and you know information is like the curiosity and and to keep learning and you know the the kind you know the kind of christian backgrounds that tell you not to think for yourself um and not to question things you know really mirrors like the worst parts of society um right now and um yeah, I think that's the thing that that you know, go back to to Galileo. Yeah, you know, that's it's just like, no, we're we're not going to listen to you and the evidence that you have because we have this concept in our head, and it's right. Mm-hmm. The end. So, I thought so, of yeah. something else I wanted to say. Oh yeah, what else? I wanted to bring up the idea of medicine and Christianity, mm-hmm. which is something I think that. Uh, is very controversial in terms of like what Christians choose to do based off of their interpretation of faith. You have Mm -hmm. um, Jehovah's Witness who do not believe in blood transfusions. Yeah. Which is something that is like medically dangerous. And then you have uh, the idea of faith healing where you have Mm -hmm. a lot of faith healers now who will prevent people from seeking medical interventions on Mm -hmm. the basis that God will heal you and that your faith will heal you. Mm -hmm. Which I think is one of those very problematic uh, intersections between god and science that has been used in a very negative way to harm people Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's like you have all these medical institutes that have been funded by christian missions in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. where you have uh like catholics who fund a lot of you know saint mary's hospitals all of those kinds of systems you have a lot of uh christian missionaries who go over to africa to try and spread christianity but also by doing so create schools for education create churches for indoctrination and create hospitals for healing mm-hmm. and you have this intersection of like religion plus medicine plus science plus education 
Yeah, but again, it's only medicine that they think is okay to give. Right. Um, no abortions. Again, yeah, no abortions, you know, abstinence. There mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's like you saying, like, they fund research and stuff, which is like the exact wrong thing you want for science is to be like what is often the case when I hear about, like, Christian-funded mm. research is that you have the conclusion that you're trying to prove, whereas that's you usually are supposed to have a hypothesis hypothesis that you are trying to disprove, right? Basically, and and they do the opposite mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah, I love it. It's great. It's great. All right. Well, thank you for being on Bible Stories with Brittany. This was a wonderful journey down trauma lane. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's it for the show today. Special thanks to Phil for help with audio production, composing the opening theme song, and laughing at all my stupid jokes. Email me at artcannotbeamonologue at gmail.com to send me your feedback or cute pet pictures. Check the description for our website link and our social media presence. In this year of our Lord and Savior, 2021, good luck and Godspeed. Okay, you you got to make it through, through. Like I can. I don't like it. Oh, oh that's yes. a little better. Yeah. Yes. Confess <laughs> <laughs> all your sins to me. I will absolve you, child. <laughs> Ew. No, I don't want absolution. <laughs>